0: Welcome to the Techmo Podcast, where we talk all things tech and startup in the Denton community. My name is Kyle Taylor, and I'm David Bruno. Let's get started. Everyone, welcome to the Techmon podcast. And today we have a special edition uh, after our Open Data Day that we just had this past weekend on March fourth. And this today we're actually going to be talking about open data and smart cities and how that plays into urban planning. Um, So today we have a group of really awesome people who know a lot about all those things I just said. Uh, And so we have Jesse Hamner of UNT, uh, local councilman, and open government. Uh, advocate <laughs> Kevin Roden uh, we have a man Habib I don't even know how to like describe your role I might just wait to get to let the intro explain that is that okay sure. okay <laughs> we also have Jacob Moses as well um, so let's do some intros really quick so let's start with uh, Jesse What what do you do with this
1: With this, well, uh, I'm the UNT Libraries Director for Research and so we have a strong commitment to open access publications and open data. The idea being that these things are available in the open and it enables uh, more information to change and people to learn faster. Cool. All right, Kevin, how did you get involved in all this stuff?
2: Wow, there's so much intersection uh, in this discussion today. Uh, Open data is something I came to learn as I got on council and understood as I was looking at the most innovative, smart cities, what they are doing uh, to do that. And not only become smarter and more efficient as a city, but also to be able to attract the type of people they're trying to attract. Cool. And so, But also, I've always been interested in this idea of livability as a city and, and urbanism. And so, uh, to me, the two, I think, nicely intersect in terms of the type of people who come to the table to talk about those sorts of things.
3: Uh, so anyways, I, I look forward to the discussion. <laughs> cool. All right. Habib. For me, uh, I've been interested in e-government for, uh, for a long time. I worked on e-government project, uh, e-commerce project uh, for a while. I, I used to work as a project management. Our project manager for the e government project in Saudi Arabia. Um, And once I came here, I stumbled into Jesse once and we talked about tracking, and I I started doing the tracking thing for a while. But then um, we started the discussion with the city of Denton, I think 2014. Um, It was also uh, Kevin was there, Brian uh, from the city, the assistant city manager, and and I kept pitching ideas for them every now and then. So I keep sending Melissa's email and she will say, yeah, oh, that's, that's nice, but we're not doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it, it got more serious with the Open Data Day, the first <coughs> one, in 2016. And I sent her a That, that was the second one. Oh, that was the uh-huh. one? Yeah. Really? I know. Surprising. <laughs> oh, okay. So the second Open Data Day. <laughs> And um, I sent her a couple of emails about doing some projects for the city. And then we agreed to do the, um, the study for um, C- um, Smart City Strategy for City of Denton. Cool. That's what I'm doing right now. Awesome. Jacob, you're a little unique here. Tell us about it.
4: So, like Mr. Kevin Roden, I'm very interested in livability. Um, and specifically, um, giving people not only the resources but the information that they need to live on a neighborhood level so like we have this concept of living local and really that's kind of turned into just oh i buy my coffee beans local therefore i'm living local um, but how can we give residents the information that they need for all the resources that happen on a neighborhood level um, and that has a lot to do with big data and publicizing that for the residents and um, and giving it the context for there to actually be insights for residents to act on, to live on a more neighborhood level. Mm-hmm. So Awesome. I guess that's where I come in. Yeah. So so let's let's I'm gonna go back
0: just a little bit uh to where my knowledge of this whole thing starts. Um and it started with I just came out of UNT and uh I think I had met Kevin at one of the mixers that he threw back then and then I met him for a beer one night at Oak Street and then we talked about um, Code for America. So how, how does Code for America kind of play into what you started doing four years ago, Kevin?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Code for America is a, a, a very vibrant, uh, almost revolutionary group. I mean, they, they look at themselves. They, they have a heart for cities. So they look at the whole democratic landscape in our country and say cities are perhaps where the greatest innovation is happening. So let's invest in them. Um, and so it's a bunch of coders. They understand themselves as a Peace Corps for geeks um, getting together to try and do good work and volunteerism in cities using the skills that they have. And so there's a real belief that this idea of data, open data, big data, tech skills, hacking some of these big perennial problems of democracy, that we can maybe come together with solutions. They, they kind of uh, tackle local issues like their little startups to be kind of hacked and tinkered with and so it was exciting to hear them talk i mean you'd have designers and coders saying things like let's bring back the spirit of democracy in america so it's (laughs) it's really enticing and it draws you into it and and just the spirit when you have a politics of the day that's so pessimistic to hear folks say we think we can get behind this thing and make things better uh, you draw towards it so I, i was fortunate to kind of be in touch with them throughout my entire tenure and bring a lot of those ideas back to uh, Denton, so a lot of the things I think we're doing with open data platforms, uh, with kind of starting a coalition of citizen hackers uh, dealing with these things, has been uh, uh, a real goal of mine during my time on City Council.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and after we met, I mean, that really inspired me to go uh, create this Open Denton thing, right? So he had a you had well, you were already like hacking DCTA <laughs> at that point, right? <laughs> that, yeah, I that think was that's kind of what got us <laughs> yeah, talking about yeah. stuff. Uh, then you had the other mixer though, was that um, uh, rubber gloves, and I had got up there, and I'd pitched this: "Hey, let's let's start this open data like community. Let's uh, let's share open data and, and get it out um, being useful." And there had actually met Daniel Buslo, who which this was pre-tech mill and he was like hey i'm a lawyer you probably don't want to release a bunch of data i can probably help you figure out which stuff you can i was like oh cool um and so also throughout all of that i you know you were doing code for america i think patrick mcleod was also doing code for America, at least going to the summits yeah um and so then three years ago uh jesse and patrick (laughs) jesse and patrick uh did the first open data day so tell us about that, Jesse. Uh, what, what made you guys want to do an event, on open day-to-day in 2015?
1: I think the, the primary driver was that uh, journal prices for academics have been going up about three times the rate of inflation and people are getting mad about that. Say, and you know, because the libraries can't maintain the, the, the journals we subscribe to without you know, tripling our budget all the time. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there's this narrative that, that's coming from um, both, both primary parties in the U.S. that talks about Look, you paid for these data. You might as well get access to them. You know, you, I mean, if it's not secret, then we're collecting these data. You should have it. You should be able to use it. I ran into data issues getting stuff for my dissertation, and I had to kind of uphill battle some of that. And so we, we wanted to go in and say, let's do something useful or at least present the idea that these skills are valid and valuable for citizen engagement, not just for folks who program.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And and, uh, and the and, first one d- didn't go that well. Like you know, it was sort of set up like a workshop. And right. The format we've got now works so much better.
0: Yeah, I think the first one was more kind of like a lecture style. But yeah.
1: But if I remember how you described it, it was
0: really more about uh, let's understand how like what open data is and what's the right way to use it so you don't screw it up.
1: Yeah, right? that was my biggest concern because you know I teach these classes sometimes about you know introduction <clears throat> to political methodology or whatever, and people will say, oh, so these two numbers kind of are the same. And so that means this causes that, right? And that's the furthest thing from the truth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can show you like one of my favorites is something like the the rates of margarine production in Maine is like 94% the same as the divorce rate. (laughs) So, you know, you can can pick these random pieces out and say, hey, look, correlation. And that doesn't count. So I'm mostly concerned about people being turned loose with with no understanding of how statistical inference works. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of a mistake. I didn't want, you know, it's not my goal to teach people how to do stats in 6 hours. Nobody wants to sit still for that. And we tried to make it a little more flexible, but nah. So, <laughs> it was I think we've got a good handle on things now.
0: Yeah. So, uh so going from the open data day in 2015 to open data day in 2016, I mean, I think I think what works happened in that period of time, wasn't it? Is that right? We, we used that as a driver for it. Right, yeah. And we didn't, is that actually, we had the grant, quote unquote, grant yeah. at that point? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so what happened uh, from there were, um, I don't remember where I saw it. I think I want to say I saw someone retweet it um, and I had retweeted it. And then I think we started talking about it and we said, hey, Denton should be mm-hmm. in this program, right? Um, Little doc. It was, yeah, a little dog. And so then we talked about it. And then uh, we had come up with um, we we started the listen didn't campaign, right? So uh, me and Darren <laughs> Smitherman and Kevin, Sorry. and we like made this website and they went and printed cards, and we were getting, you know input from. Uh, you know people around town and we wanted junior high schools even participated really yeah Yeah. i went to talk to junior high school they all filled out a card (laughs) (laughs) yeah i you know i thought it was really great and so it all went to this google form and and we collected all the data all the responses and the gist was uh what do you see as a problem in your community uh and what uh solution do you have for it and then like name and then zip code right and that was really all we wanted to capture and based on that we kind of boiled it down to six main issues that we were gonna try and address and then we presented those problems with I think a solution to council and then after that we submitted the grant. I didn't actually do the submitting part so anyone wanna talk to that?
2: Only the city could do it, so it's got to be Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this was citizen-driven from the start. I mean, I responded to some folks tweeting at me saying (laughs) this is something Denton seems pretty ripe for. And at the time, we all thought it involved like lots of money coming to us, when in in reality it was, we're going to pour resources into your community by means of you know, research institutions that are helping advise and stuff like that. But, you know, what it does is, you know, from the point of them seeing citizens getting engaged, you guys doing this great pitch day in front of the mayor, a couple of council members, and the senior level staff, the whole goal in all this, from my point of view, has been you know, get yourself an active citizenry that's doing this, but until it gets embedded deep into the city staff where they catch the vision of this, see how it benefits them in terms of efficiency, day-to-day operations. Until that happens, this will never get traction because there's only so much citizens can do. You need folks doing this day-to-day. So Mm -hmm. what that did by getting that, it gave a lot of honor to the city to say, oh, we're part of this. We're being invited now out to Bloomberg is inviting us to a thing in New York City and he's talking to us and he's meeting with the mayor and he's talking about his vision for smart cities, and that really, I think, changed the course of the discussion internal to the city. Now you have a bunch of internal city advocates saying this is the direction we need to go. It's no longer Kevin from the outside saying, hey, let's do this. Let's try and do this. Now we're, we're making budget you know, uh, recommendations, and it's getting approved in terms of investing in, in platforms and heading in terms of uh, these directions. So all that to say, that was a great example of citizens pushing something that got some deep commitment at the city level that will now be a part of our trajectory for years to come.
0: Yeah. And and I think a really important thing of What Works is that What Works is built on we should use data, not opinions, to make decisions in the city, right? Like we shouldn't have people yelling at us all the time uh, that we should go fix something. We should have data telling us that we should go fix something, right? It's a great, you know, a couple great examples Mayor Bloomberg brought up to the group because he was always
2: like, hey, you just got to lead and you got to lead and say, hey, I think the data's in the right place. And he said when he banned smoking in restaurants in New York City, he said he got a call from the governor of New Jersey saying, thank you so much. Everyone from your city is going to come and dine in New Jersey to eat. (laughs) And he said, hey, I'll bet you however many dollars you have plenty of money to bet. Well, they're wrong. In fact, there was an increase in people eating out uh, in New York City. And the other thing he did was when he suggested they close down Times Square, for just pedestrians and everyone said no our businesses are going to shut down everything's going to dry up it's going to go crazy no one's going to like this I said well let's just try it and see what the data says and sure enough the data proved it out so wow. he's been a good leader nationally on this movement
0: of saying let's let's make data driven decisions yeah yeah which i think is really important um and so uh open day Day last year uh was kind of like our first hackathon style event um Jesse, you want to talk about, like, what our goals were
1: last year? Like, what, what did we want to get out of it before uh, before and afterwards? So one of the things I've been trying to get my uh, – as a goal is to make sure we can provide useful input for, for our – view them as customers, right? If you want to take sort of the approach of where the consultants. And so we have been working with um, Serve Denton. Uh, because they've got a a really great organization geared for serving people who are, uh, you know, lower socioeconomic status and homeless. And we wanted to provide them with some information. Like one thing that Pat Smith said was, hey, we've got this mobile food pantry, where should it go? And we wanted to use layers of data to say the best place for the furthest walk to a grocery store, like, you know, Jacob's going to open a grocery store, but that would be one new data point to get food. And We wanted to say, all right, where are the risks of homelessness, people becoming homeless, right? Let's get some data about rent, data about about blight. And so we began assembling data sets and working on data analysis. And, of course, these projects go deep. I mean, there's no good answer for what is blight. (laughs) Um, We learned that pretty fast. The spreadsheet of the number of variables people have used is huge. Mm -hmm. But we had four or five different pockets of people working on providing data to customers, providing data, you know, in in the dashboard team that you worked on, uh, building a big enough database and data engine to sort of do some GIS mapping and some analysis, people doing data mining on the homeless surveys and some. So I think giving people a chance to exercise their skill sets in a way they already knew how to do was the biggest change Mm -hmm. from the previous year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I know that we learned, um, so last year we did not have, the current open data portal that the city has, right? And I feel like that event was really a big catalyst in making that happen. It was one of the things that made that happen. And one of the one I was hounding them day after
1: day after day, <laughs> after day and chewing up all their resources saying, oh, I need the data on this now.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they were
1: happy to give it to us and now everybody can use it.
0: Yeah. And I think the best part was, is that after that event, um, you know, we had talked about the results of the event and like what we thought it meant and, you know, what can we do for what works and, um, We had, I had told my story about my issue getting water data from Denton and from Dallas. Right. And I told, you know, that was a problem for me. And so, uh, Melissa craft CTO of Denton came to one little doc one morning. I told her this exact same story and she was like, Hey, you know what? Let me get some of my developers in here. Let's talk about what type of format you guys want this data in, how it's going to make it useful, what other data sets you might need. And we met on a Saturday morning at Zira and she showed up and she took notes and she like took those back to the city and she made things happen, which that was amazing. Right. That, that's what that's a key for the city engagement. Everything that Kevin was just talking about, like like this is where we get the stakeholders involved and get the people in the city involved in what we're doing.
1: Um, and then the developers all come because they got data formats they're comfortable with and familiar right. with, and it's easy to work with.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So after that, I think really that's when
0: Habib started picking up a lot of the work. Um, so Habib, tell us how how did you get involved in all of this, and what are you, and how did that evolve into what you're doing right now with the
3: city? So going back to 2014, the first meeting, I, I used to volunteer with Nancy Hong and um, entrepreneurial. Um, the house, the the greenhouse innovation, that's mm-hmm. what they call it, which is an entrepreneur uh, office, and um, I helped doing the hackathons and some of the events we want to do. But then the main event was the meeting with Kevin and Brian and Melissa, saying, "Hey, tech guys and entrepreneurs, what do you want uh, from us?" I was, "Wow, they came all the way here in this small coffee shops, <laughs> and I, I, I'm an international student. So I, where I came from, the city, the city officials are in." in silos somewhere in <laughs> they will never come, come down to you and talk to you and I was wow so I was okay I need your cards and I, I follow up with everybody and then I sp- casually started sending them some uh, um, ideas and um, things but after the open data day um, we brought a speaker Dr. Uh, talk and um, I, I got into the PhD program I don't know why um, so um, he told me why are we doing this? And I was, uh, I, I enjoy doing these activities and I'm happy to do it just for fun. And he convinced me that, oh, you can turn that into your, your dissertation, your work. You need to do something different. And I was, really? Let's do that. <laughs> um, so I started focusing more and sending Melissa more emails and asking more questions. And um, I usually make suggestions. I can do this. Do you want me to do this for you, for the city? For free, okay. You don't need to do anything. But So um, I met her three times, and they got excited about the smart city idea, and they visited a couple of other um, cities. And I was th- asking at the same time the same exact question. Do you want us to study smart cities? Do you want to do this project about uh, Wi-Fi? So um, she said, yeah, let's, let's meet and talk, and uh, we agreed to do the smart city strategy for the city of denton and we are in the middle of the of the study right now so we did interviews we evaluated first the open data portal and i i thought that was a low hanging fruit to support the open data portal where we started then also to um, to tell them the feedback about the open data portal itself because the data in there was basic, I understand it was the beginning and we just pushed some of the stuff. So we want to make it more quality type of data. We want to add more. De- and I, I cannot just say, hey, can we fix this? I, I thought if we did it in a, in a better way, it, it will be more organized. And, and of course, for me as a student now, I, I can publish this information. And by the way, I just sent um, a paper about our first uh, survey, the one you, yeah, we, you mentioned earlier, so um, I hope it will be published somewhere. Too. <laughs> yeah. um, I think this is a very interesting grassroots type of movement because we, we came to the city without, without titles or anything and nobody asked and we get together. Um, all of us um, with the main goal of making Denton better, mm-hmm. a better place. Yeah, and, and I think,
0: um, so whenever the city uh, launched, finally launched their new data portal, it was, I think it was maybe late last year when it launched, um, and uh, you could tell it was a huge improvement over the existing data portal, and the problem with the existing one is that everything was so fragmented, that you were going to different, different places to retrieve that data. It might not even have been in the right format. I remember when we had a hackathon at Kevin's house, uh, <clears throat> must've been four years ago, I guess. And, uh, after they had redrawn the voting districts, right. uh, we were trying to help people figure out where they needed to vote. Like if their district district had changed or not. So, you know, 10 of 10, 12 of us met at Kevin's house and he bought some beers and we got, had our computers out and we made a website vote did org, And, uh, you could type in your address and submit it and it would tell you, you what district you're in. And, and, uh, uh, who you were voting for and everything like that, and um, but some of that data you couldn't just like go get it, right? I think Kevin had gotten some of the stuff for us, or you would have to go down City Hall and they put it on a CD for you or something. It was That's exactly it was right. awful. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. a CD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and, I, and if I remember right, some of the the documents. Like, everything was in PDF format and like, oh, you can just pull data from PDF. Like, I'm not going to scan PDFs for tables to extract data. Like, that is not what we should be doing. Um, So the new open data portal that is up, um, which for your listeners, it's data.citydent.com, is amazing. It's very unified, and they've been adding data sets. And one of the things we did a month before this current – this just past Open Data Day, where we had had a work session on a Saturday – we had about 20 people, I think, 23. 20, 23. um show up, and we had made GitHub issues for every single data set. And we went through every single repo or every single data set and marked them complete, incomplete, usable uh, you know, what type of data did it have? Uh, were they PDFs or Excel sheets or GIS or whatever? Um, just do so they we, have code books and the answer is always no. Right. <laughs> yeah. What do these labels mean? No one knows. Um, and so it was just really great to, I mean, there's, you know, it's baby steps, right? So we have an open data portal. Everything is really great now, but we know there are problems. So, but it's a way for us to provide feedback back to the city in, in how we can make that better.
1: Um, and so, It doesn't require a big meeting, right? Yeah, they, they can they can pick these issues up and work on them as they can, mm-hmm. not big shouting match or big have to get everybody's schedule worked out. Yeah, yeah, and I think the best part, uh, the thing, the thing that, that I really enjoy
0: with open data is that since it is open data and it is transparent, um, you know, when people are trying to argue about you know this or that in terms of statistics, like, well, I mean, they. It's there, right? The data is there now. You can go look at it. And you can pro- we can help provide context. and We can actually make meaningful decisions out of this. Um, so uh, let's talk about Open Data Day this year, and then I want to talk about some of the things that we made, and also I want to kind of get some opinions on how that can be made better. What decisions we can make from these things, um, you know? And also, I'm kind of interested in like Kevin's and Jacob's opinion on as people who are trying to make the city better, what data would you like to see that. Might be beneficial to that, right? So, Jesse, since you were kind of like the MC
1: on Saturday, would you like to give us a recap really quick? Sure. Um, we had six groups that were working on various pieces. Um, and again, people kind of brought their own skill sets to the table. I think the most impactful one was the API group. Uh, these guys began pulling the static data from the data portal and importing it into an online PostgreSQL server, and then making it available through uh, Heroku, which is an API engine. What that means is people who want to build mobile apps, people who want to build live websites, people who want to update data and not have to re-import everything all at once, will be able to do that. They'll be able to build applications using the city data without having to go through that step of importing or, or management. Mm-hmm a lot of those problems have already been dealt with we'll already look at the at the variables or the hey that's mislabeled fix that stuff and get it up and going that was going to enable a lot of great work on the other end there's some excellent work going on with a video tutorial Here, introduction to the website how to use it what's there and so those folks worked all day and produced a good intro video for how to use the how to use the uh, the open data portal then the applications that were um, being worked on well one was homelessness, we partnered with the United Way of Denton County this year and the city of denton's uh, uh, um, Danny Shaw who came in and worked with us on the homelessness question because her group does the homeless t- uh, surveys every year the point in time surveys mm-hmm. and we had a group working on parking because Melissa gave us access to a stream of uh, a video feed from a traffic cam which this was really cool this honestly. is really cool so if you know anything about open computer vision open c v this library. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah so we, we pulled in a few people including a, a retired grandma who knows Swift and Python oh, awesome. um, who is just awesome and then making uh,
2: all the stereotypes of yeah, who does yeah. this kind oh, of stuff yeah. right. was, we had right. a freshman
1: oh, in high boy. school here working in the API group and we had you know one of the Cubos developers who was writing space software oh well but today he's going to work on OpenCV because he's just <laughs> that good right and so using the video stream they begin to isolate the, the, the silhouettes of cars and they'll be able to find okay there's a gap there and you know with, with a lot more work it'll it'll become something that really works yeah so i mean but, you know the, but it's starting
0: yeah so i mean and which is really cool because i was telling someone about this the other day who lives in san diego and he was like what'd you do this week and i was like oh man what did we do this weekend <laughs> and I, I had mentioned the the parking um app where you know using opencv to to v to to view a snapshot of a video stream and then determine if there's parking space available and he was like oh man that's like way cheaper than sensors, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is way cheaper than sensors. Like we can solve this through software if you just know how to do it. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a, that was a really great project to, to get out. So, so we had a couple more things as well, so.
1: Right, uh, we had one group doing straight up data mining. They were doing mm-hmm. data mining and data modeling using data from the open data portal. And they just, they kind of worked all day tooling around with like Tableau, which is a visualization package, or uh, I think some of them may have been using Stata, which is a stats package. And we had a group doing natural language processing, Mm -hmm. which has got really um, broad reach anymore. You may have heard of, like, sentiment analysis. So we can look at all the things Kevin said in the city council meetings (laughs) and evaluate whether he was mad or not, right? Uh, Or whether people who speak are mad or not. And, of course, that's imperfect at best, right? Nobody can detect sarcasm yet. But still, NLP is hard. And, and and so people are going to begin using it, and we're building tool sets. Mm-hmm. One thing we didn't do as well last year is save all the, the results and all the code bases. And this year, everything went into GitHub. Everything went into GitHub. And so now it's not only reproducible. We can expand on it as we see fit. We can expand on it in other work days, and next year we'll have an even better set ready to go from the first moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and I thought uh, a really great thing was you know ha- having the city involved in these events. You know, Last year we had the mayor who came out. Um, and Kevin came out, and Kevin came out this year. And we also had um, Keely Briggs. Yeah, Keely Briggs and Melissa came out, uh, and you know, it's 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 really important that um, a because citizens are doing this because they they know or they feel like it's a thing that they can do that can contribute to their city, you know, using their skills. You know, not everyone can be out walking the streets every day, you know, providing feedback on what needs to be fixed in these in these communities or they can't be heading out to all corners of town and, you know, reporting on the issues in those, but, you know, if you're technically apt and you can, you know, help us manipulate some data and turn it into some meaningful, you know, reports, let's do it. And I think and having those city people show up really shows that it's kind of like it goes both ways, right? And they're supporting us, and we're supporting them, and we're all going to make, you know, we're we're all in for it for the better, right? So, um, so Habib, what was your what was your uh, kind of summary? Do you think about Open Day today this past weekend?
3: I was uh, really excited about the day. So the preparation we had um, a month before, um, then then seeing forty two random. Um, Guys coming into <gasps> into the room at that day I was really excited because um, you have the doubt sometimes. Are they going to show up? Um, <laughs> yeah. Why would they sacrifice their Saturday, eight am, to come do something they they do at work? Maybe mm-hmm. that feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> One of the the guy said we are crazy that's why (laughs) so i think they're crazy enough to come and put their time some of them are there for the learning Mm -hmm. and i should address also our our students who come i think one of the things i want to support in in this coming year with the open data portal in specific increasing the number of projects unt and twu are working on that relate to the city of denton Mm -hmm. So when we signed the contract, the only contract was there with the city of Dindin and UNT was the mosquito West Nile virus. And I was, that's the only one? Man, we can do more than this. So the city have, have a wealth of information, a wealth of um, experience as well. And they have, they have a very wide operation that goes from all type of engineering with with uh, uh, utilities, which is not in a regular city usually, mm-hmm. and everything uh, related to all other aspects. I think students can gain so much by doing by doing real projects for the city. And they will gain also the trust in, in their skills because they did an actual job. It's not just a project. I, I give my students projects, I feel <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. They're very small. But if I and give the, the, data the data are perfect, <laughs> which yes. is ridiculous. Yeah. So so for example, I am working on cleaning the interviews we are doing right now. And in in our uh, assignment, we received data available. So I didn't work on on cleaning that data set or converting an interview into this weird excel sheet type of things in order to do the text mining. I was... Man, they should, we should uh, spend more time in the text, in the text mining class <laughs> trying to clean something because now I feel, wow, this is too much. And I understand that 90, 90, 90 to 90% of our time will yes. be going into data cleaning and, and uh, put the things in the right format and all this. So it is an eye opening experience. And it is an eye opening experience to see all this um, skilled. Uh, guys coming together um, to help solve the city the city problems or to help solve any problems the city have. And I think this ownership of um, and the spirit they have is is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the smart city movement is all about engaging those citizens, mm-hmm. and specifically in Denton because we have the two universities. We have so many students can do so many things with certain guidance. They can do all sorts of things. And this is really uh, interesting time. Previously, that wasn't available, that yeah. much at least.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, Jacob, I'm going to ask you a question now. So talking about real, talking about real projects, right? Um, so, Jacob, I met you when you were working at a stoke and uh you had started a podcast for technical writing but then you were also helping manage another podcast called called parksify would you like to just expand on that really quick for the, the listeners
4: so parksify is a urban design podcast it's a publication out of la all about making more walkable neighborhoods uh implementing more green spaces in urban centers um, so, just been a big fan of it for a while, and since moving in to downtown Denton, able to see how those concepts that we learned from these major urbanists, Jane Jacobs, Charles Montgomery, seeing those concepts and how they can translate to Denton. Um, and gosh, I'm not big in the data right now. I, I didn't have the pleasure of attending um, this past <laughs> open Denton Open Data Day, and nor any of the past ones, but what's been most encouraging for me just sitting here and listening to each of you wonderful advocates for Denton talk about is that you're focusing on the insights that come from the data and not just the data. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's easy to, to lose track sometimes. Like for example, um, Enrix, which is a data as a software company, just put out this uh, big data congestion study and all that came of it were these like scary headlines, like, "Oh, the average speed on New York streets is eleven miles per hour, eight miles per hour in San Francisco." Um, but they didn't talk about like insights or possible solutions to it. Could have talked about have more uh, like road usage tolls, mm-hmm. or how we can help drivers change their behavior. They just focused on the data. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of an outsider to it. That's what's most encouraging for me is um, to see how you guys are focusing on those insights and not just the
0: data. Yeah. So so I know you as kind of more of a boots on the ground kind of guy. And I know recently uh, you and a few others have been doing this walkable Denton mm-hmm. or uh, what is it
4: called? It's called Walk Denton. Walk Denton, yeah. yeah. So so tell us about that. So last Wednesday was our first meeting. We met at Jupiter House. Um But the goal of it is just to encourage more residents to walk downtown and to kind of break that notion of, oh, I'm going to LSA. I must park in front of LSA. (laughs) And if it doesn't happen, I'll just go to Olive Garden for $35. (laughs) So um, it's still a very, very baby project, but it's just hopefully going to focus on um, conversation-driven walks, because, I mean, what, what good is, like, my biggest thing with walkability is that more so talking about, like, accessibility. Mm-hmm. Like, what good is walkability if you're just walking to, like, I don't know, something that, that serves no function. Mm-hmm. Like We should be talking about, okay, we want to make Cedar more walkable so we can get to our groceries faster. There has to be, like, that why. Why do we want to make it more walkable? And we're starting to have that conversation in Denton. With this small group. So that's exciting. (laughs) And uh, just trying to do my small part.
0: Do you see any, uh, and so looping this back in the data, do you see a way for you guys to maybe collect data on this? And then also, if there were some data available to you that might make this easier, um, what
4: do you think it might be? Good question. So Julie Anderson, our amazing bike pedestrian coordinator, um, put together, it's a national study. Um, but each city does bike pedestrian counts throughout the city, and um, we hit about 16 spots um, this past fall, and I haven't seen that data yet, um, and really no initial projects come to mind, um, but it's been very encouraging for me that A, the city hired a bike pedestrian coordinator, that's huge, instead of just asking the traffic engineers how to make cities more walkable, which is not <laughs> the right option. Um, so we kind of have that liaison between the residents and the traffic engineers. Um Yeah, just the city the city's starting to care more about walkability and bikeability and then we're seeing flashes of urbanism in our little downtown. <laughs> so it's it's encouraging. Yeah.
2: Well, and there are actually um there there are people who have attempted to create like walkability scores mm-hmm. so you can put in your zip code or your neighborhood and to these national websites and a lot of things they're looking at, which is interesting what you're doing is not just like accommodations like sidewalks and crosswalks and things like that. A lot of it will be are you in walking distance to mm-hmm. amenities, neighborhood services, things that make it, it make sense for you to walk, not yes. just getting around your neighborhood and walking your dog, but exactly. like walking for these functional things that you're talking about. So <laughs> there's a lot of people trying to put a lot of data to use for these very same livability questions. Mm-hmm. We have an interesting one right in, uh, uh, on Eagle Drive. Because of some initiatives in town, uh, we've been looking for streets to what we call road diet, which is to say, take a four-lane road and take it down to two lanes with bike lanes and parking, perhaps, or whatever the... Situation could be, which is counterintuitive in Texas, right? You widen everything, <laughs> add more capacity. So they put it right on the edge of campus on Eagle Drive. It made a lot of people nervous. Uh, and so much so that even recently at a city council ma- meeting, one of our council members said, Hey, we need to relook at this. I think it's causing too much traffic. Well, there's data that can come into play with this. How many cyclists are using it? And not only counts, but one of the things I think we want to try and quantify is the feel that people have in walking around the city. So there's always these rules. Can an eight-year-old feel safe and an 88-year-old feel safe walking around? And if they can, then you probably fix something. Uh, And so how do you quantify that? A lot of people are racking their brains to try and – what's that feel? I'm approaching an intersection. I want to cross this street. Do I feel safe walking my kids across this? So Mm -hmm. a lot of data can come to bear on these things. Uh, And it's just a matter of trying to get enough people talking about it and advocating it for it.
0: Yeah, I know one of the things I had worked on uh, this weekend was um, one of the like it was literally (coughs) uploaded on Friday night were code enforcement violations throughout the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really realize how many there were in that record. I was just like, oh, it's just only a couple thousand. Turns out it was like 64,000 and change records. Um, and, uh, the data in there wasn't really complete. Like I had a street address, but I didn't have uh, a zip code. So I didn't know what neighborhood it was in or anything like that. So my, basically all weekend I spent my time trying to produce, you know, coordinates on all these incidents. But, um, I, once I finished doing that, I, I finished it yesterday. I threw it in the tableau. And one of the amazing things were in tableau is that you can kind of start grouping these, um, uh, code violations by zip codes and so you can see which zip codes uh, have like certain violations that are more common than others. And it seems like across the city, uh, I think with trash debris is the most common one across all the zip codes. Um, but with that, we can, we can start looking at, okay, well, uh, if certain areas have certain problems, how can we start addressing those neighborhoods specifically based on the data that we have? Um, so, I mean, I, I just think... Man, is cool, y'all. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so so. Uh, let's. I guess we can start wrapping this up. Let's. I th- what I want to talk to you guys about, um, or ask you all, is what do you think um, our n- a next step would be for either our community or the city of Denton, um, taking uh, in order to either promote open data more? How can we collect better data or release better data? Um, and how can we start repurposing it, repurposing it into a meaningful way? I think one of the ways that we've already shown is that the city has created these dashboards, these KPI reports. If you you haven't seen them, you can go on the Open Data website and there is, is a—I think it's called a showroom, um, where you can look at their strategic... Measures, what I forget what the term is called. I think that's what it is. Key performance it's indicators. Keep, well, the, it's part of uh, that strategic plan, that right? The council. Oh, key, key, yeah. that the council puts yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and there's there's a lot of diff- different versions. There's economic development. There's um, city planning. There's a bunch of these other ones. Um, and so they have taken data that they have and they had put it into kind of a context that anyone can understand and really. It gets to like a thumbs up thumbs down. we did better than last year, we did worse than last year, right which is really all people are looking for um, is how how were we were doing a year ago and what are we doing right now, or how have we been doing for the past five years um, and so that's uh, that's a really great way that we can start repurposing it, but what do you what are your your thoughts on the state right now? Where do you think we should be going? Not all at once <laughs> I'll look at Jesse.
1: One thing that I think would be useful is uh, making the data more of a two-way street. Like for, for Jacob, you could partner with Strava, right, and get the bike commuters to give you usage data for all the streets they ride on for 365 days, right? You could take those data to the city and make a data case, A, please put these into the data repository, and B, you should prioritize bike lanes in the following roads. And here's why. And and, and yeah, and here's the data that supports that claim, right? Uh, by the same token, I think Boston developed a good application for, uh, for a, good, a good mobile app for where are the potholes, mm-hmm. right? On the one hand, you could use an accelerometer in your car, and every time it goes whabam, you know, you could have, oh, that's probably a pothole, like the one I hit every morning driving my kids to school, right? <laughs> but there's also, well, click, and then, you know, geotag that individual event, goes to a server that says, we get that, we're going to pass that upstream. It goes to somewhere, and then when traffic, when the uh, uh, roads and streets folks are going to come fix it, you get a text message back. Not only does that help you prioritize issues, it helps you look and produce a responsive city. So I think making data input processes from citizens as well as data usage by citizens and by government, that's kind of what I'd like to see next. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I think when I think of this, I think there's two pathways. One is the citizen facing. They see the benefit of being able to access data, see what the goals are, what's going on. And then this two way street of submitting things, as he mentioned. Uh, And so I think there's a lot of things having to do with that. What I would suggest is to some degree, I think what the volunteer community can bring to bear is some quick wins, some easy, lightweight, simple Winnable, achievable projects, like what we did with votedenton.org, something that happened over the course of like a week, and we were able to solve a quick problem. How do you find your council district ahead of a council? Now, the city has that on their website. They took the same concept and just embedded it into the website because we showed the possibilities of what that could be. Then I think the much deeper application of this, as I mentioned earlier, is really embedding this in with the city management, the leadership, and down so that they understand the street departments realizes, Man, if we could realize all the data of what's going on with the wastewater folks because we're having to coordinate with them and the, to the extent that I can get that data easier and we can combine this data and be smarter about the decisions we're making – That's awesome. To the extent that a mayor can have a dashboard and see his main goals and initiatives and whether or not we're achieving those or not because data's playing the bear on that. And all down the pipes, that's making your city smarter. So there's that embedded how the city functions. We need to get that, and I think that's starting to take shape. Um, So I I think there's a lot we can do, and I think we're doing (laughs) it, and we're heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah.
4: What do you guys think? as a tech writer my first <laughs> <laughs> thought goes to onboarding uh and thinking just like about the user story of uh the citizen i think jesse you noted before that um, i think the first denton open Data day today it was very focused on programmers and that following event, you all want to shift the focus and make sure to include just the normal residents um and that's why i was so excited Habib, then you got the tech writers involved this past weekend. (laughs) Um, Video tutorials are huge. Just just that overview. Because data is very overwhelming for lots of folk. Um, But it sounds like y'all did a very wonderful job this past weekend. Making sure that the people that aren't familiar with the dashboard um, have a basic overview and hopefully a couple couple action items follow from it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Definitely. Um, so I think a a really good question to ask all of you is, um, what, I mean, what is a smart city? Like, what do you think a smart city is? How would you describe a smart city? And if the, if Denton were to do some kind of smart city project, what would your ideal project be for the city?
3: That's all of Habib's research. (laughs) He was trying to embed our, embed our questions.
0: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I'll, so I'll start. Right. So so I think, you know, a smart city, in my opinion, is, you know, exactly what 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 works city uh, kind of is wrapped, is bundled up in. Right. So we're taking data that has been captured by the city through all their various metrics, and we're then repurposing that data into making um, good decisions on how we should be, you know, making municipal decisions and spending budget, right? Um, You know, so the bike lane, like we're, I I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but the bike lanes are all over town now, right? Specifically Mm -hmm. the new ones on Oak and Hickory, Um, you know, especially if you're going from UNT to downtown, like those are really important. Um, And so I think uh, one of the things I would really like to see is we're kind of starting in it already but uh, i think kevin had shown or had shared this video from boston how the mayor has this dashboard i think you just kind of described something similar um where it's really just like a day-to-day and it's like how many tickets do we have open how many tickets did we close what type of things did we get solved today and and be very transparent with that i think with the city because there's a lot of people who are like the city's doing nothing we're useless we need to get everyone out and start all over well that's not entirely true, but um, if there's a way that we could make that transparent so they know every day exactly what's going on and make it easier for them to understand, obviously they don't need to know the minutiae detail where, oh, hey, Code Enforcement Officer 6235 went and picked up dog poop on West Elm or something, I don't know, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that would be a really great smart city initiative, at least for me. But anyone else it's like-
3: very important. You think important uh, problems you need you need to see fixed by smart city? Are
0: there is there a in, like a specific problem that
3: yes. I think needs to be
0: fixed? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, there's nothing in Denton, at least to me, that is just glaring broken. Right. I mean, there's a, I mean, well, 35, but that's not really our problem. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's being fixed. It, it is being, yeah. That's, uh, the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. You know what? Actually, there's, there's one thing. Um, I, so, so, I enjoy public transportation, right? But I will be honest, I'm not always committed to using it and also I'm not very good at using the ones I'm unfamiliar with, right? So for example, I'll take the train all day long. I have no problem taking the train but I've never taken a bus around town. Mm -hmm. But also I have no idea how to take a bus Mm -hmm. around town, right? I would love, like, just, and it's it's so simple. It's like. You there needs
2: just, to be a gateway drug to bus riding. There really does, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: I want someone to hold my hand, take me yep. to the bus stop, and say, listen, this is what you have to do, right? Here's Carl. Carl's taking Route 12 today. Hey, Carl's going. Okay, Carl's going to get you <laughs> on the bus and take you down yeah, to, you know. Like, it like it almost needs to be that simple because I feel like a lot of people um, who want to be more, you know, walk-friendly or just, you know, Less car driving around town um, can really use that. Uh, as long as you know what services are available to you and how easy it can be, right? you know, you can go to a bus stop and
2: it'll tell you what number to text to find out when the next bus is coming. Oh, through. really? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my bus? Which you did some of that pre-work do that, for I that I know. stuff. Yeah. You know, my my thought on this, and it, this is a great question. I think um, you know, cities are about providing services to their citizens. Uh, And so I think when you think about the expectations of of, of citizens, a lot of times when we talk in cities, when you're saying, well, what are we doing to tackle this problem? Well, they're always comparing us to other cities. That's the wrong comparison. People are comparing any service industry, whether it's a city or anything else, to Amazon. They're comparing it to what they can get on Google. They're comparing it to getting on Southwest.com and booking a flight and finding out information. And so I think cities need to reorient their thinking to think that's what people are comparing us to. It's not the Plano because they don't live there. They're not comparing, they're not using that. (laughs) They're comparing it. So things in life are becoming increasingly easier when we bring data and tech to bear on these problems. And cities have yet to catch up into those things. So I think, generally speaking, I think a city that takes that posture of saying, we want to be a city that's that easily servicing its people and they can get information, they can get data, they can hold their city accountable, they can get the services they need simply in a human centered way. To me, that's the posture that needs to be done. So there's a variety of ways you can do that, and I think every citizen would say, "Here's our pain points mm-hmm. to dealing with the city," and I think you just need to chip away at those one at a time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was what Dave Sims came up with when we were doing some of our initial uh, approach to the Bloomberg. Was he called? He called it "What the Heck, Denton," and it was the idea. This I, I gave a little a little slice of that at the you know talking about the the text message about the pothole, but he wanted to build in building permits and, and road construction planning. And is my district or my neighborhood getting its fair share of improvements? And what about, how old are my water pipes? And he wanted to have this giant, comprehensive dashboard for, stu- for, for citizens. And that's not unreasonable. right Because especially, and I hadn't thought about it this way, comparing it to, to Google and Amazon, that is the experience people are used to.
3: Yeah. So, so the city usually will ask, uh, who will pay the price tag for this? No, this is available. Um, who will pay for this or, or how?
1: I think we're going to be able to show the benefits of the data by the stuff they've already shared, right? That provides a lever to say, okay, so we've taken these 158 data sets or whatever it was last time I checked, built an API around it. You can see what people are doing with it. We would like for this to become a workflow that impro- that includes more data as things go on. So hopefully it becomes... A value proposition that more than one side sees as useful. But also, we're providing a bunch of citizen sweat equity on, on our data philanthropy, I think Courtney called it. Um, I like that. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that phrase either. And this way, we have input into it as well. And so it becomes not just who's paying for it. I did last week when I worked eight hours on this. So that, that's one, one possible angle. The other is perhaps people see enough of value in things like the app experience they get with that it becomes something that people are willing to pay for but that's that's a little premature to talk about i think
2: and hopefully you're saving money i mean the the way you're creating a city that's more efficient hopefully you're saving money by doing that to some degree but i think it's a real positive thing to to get your citizens oriented in a way that sees the city is for me and it's creating services for me and, and not me but we're all helping out everyone and to the extent that you do that is to the extent that – I know some people would tar and feather me for saying this. <laughs> you celebrate the idea that I'm contributing to my city in order to make it useful for everything. So the, the, so the idea of, uh, of paying taxes and stuff like that become a thing of I'm helping out the greater good. Um, so that's, that's a much more kind of divisive political perspective there, but <laughs> I'll leave it there.
0: All right. So – oh, are you, the actual
4: oh, Sports life. Cities guy hadn't answered <laughs> <laughs> I have no input <laughs> Every, Everything has been said So so well
0: <laughs> Okay uh, Alright well do you guys have any more closing thoughts for today What would you guys think of the event overall Just like in one word if you could sum it up What would you, what would you say Amazing I mean, ah, You took my word I think
3: it's empowering yeah, to see uh-huh. to see the the type of folks that show up that day—the 15 years old and the, the grandma in there the coding to write an app for the city. Yes, I will use her app no matter what.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say it was educational. I ne- I've never written Python before Saturday, and Saturday I wrote a lot of Python. So that was interesting so <laughs> all right well uh that's it for me uh thank you all for being here this was awesome and fun thanks for sharing the open data and Denton story so anything else thank you awesome well thanks guys well this is a techmo podcast we do this every other week uh you can find this on itunes so smash that like button or find us on our new website techmo.co and uh we'll see you guys next time bye Hey, we didn't have any good blooper reels this time around, but make sure you guys check out the city's open data website at data.cityofdenton.com and check out our Open Denton initiative at opendenton.com or on GitHub at github.com/opendenton and hopefully we'll see you guys around the issue queues. Bye.